It is good to be together today. I want to welcome um, everyone who's seated at our campuses today. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us online. Um, I want to welcome our kids who are in with us today. Instead of uh, being in Children's Church where they normally are, they're in with us today. We're glad we can be together. Before we go any further, I'm saying, come on, what a baptism story uh, a group of students who are on mission, a well that gets dug in Togo, uh, a shelter in Taiwan when we couldn't even be there. How about, I want to hear a shout of praise to our God for him still being God, even when we can't do all that we can normally do. Can we do that? Come on. All right, we're going to kick it off today. We got a bag of flour. We got a five-pound bag of flour. We're going to start the bidding at $1,000, all right? So do I have $1,000? Anybody? $1,000? Five pounds. Five pounds of flour. $1,000. Where do we have 1000 No? You would say to me, Jeff, I'm pretty sure there's never going to be a day or I would pay $1,000 for a bag of flour. Today I want to tell you a story about a time, real time, in the history of God's people that if you had been there and if you had $1,000, you would have bought the bag of flour. The story is about a time when the king of Syria has laid siege to the city of Samaria, which was the capital of when the, when the kingdom was divided, it was the capital of northern Israel. Now, to lay siege to a city means this. It means they would completely surround the city with the enemy army so that nothing is getting in or out. When I say nothing is getting in or out, that means food water. So the city is able to last as long as there's enough food, but eventually the food runs out. There's no more coming into the city. And the strategy is when they run out of food, the people will eventually surrender because they don't want to die. That was the goal. And it's come to a place where a bag of flour is selling for $1,000. They're eating things like donkey heads. That's what the Bible says. They're paying a lot of money for donkey heads. You don't think donkey heads will be gross? Let me show you. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No donkey heads. No donkey heads. When I read that, I go, that means all the other parts of the donkey have already been eaten, right? It's so gross. There's even some cannibalism going on. I want to make sure that kids sleep tonight, so I'm, I'm, I'm really not going to tell you all the details of that story, but it's a real story. really did happen. The king of Israel, who is not a godly man, is angry. Even he's angry because he's watching what's happening in front of him. He, he doesn't know how to fix it. And so he's blaming the prophet Elisha. It's sort of like blaming God. 
And he determines that Elisha needs to die. So the, so the, the king of Israel sends one of his men to the prophet to take him out. But Elisha is attempting to avoid that, and he prophesies something that the Lord, God, says. Here's what he says. 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 1, this is what the Lord says about this time tomorrow. A saya of the finest flour will sell for a dollar, and two sayas of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. Here's what he's saying. He's saying 24 hours from now, this bag of flour that I'm telling you, if you had it, you would pay $1,000 for today in order to keep you and your family alive. Tomorrow, 24 hours from now, it's going to sell for a dollar. The man that the king sent who heard Elisha say that says, mm-mm. He says, verse 2, look, even if the Lord should open the floodgates of heaven, could this happen? He's like, man, you can't turn an economy around in 24 hours. You can't even get enough resources into the city. You can't can't get that kind of change to happen. And in a sense, he is saying, even God can't do that. Elisha says to him, oh, you're going to see it, but you're not going to eat any of it. It was a bad story for that man where it went from there. Now, here's where I want you to see the story in verse 3. It picks up. It says, there were four men with leprosy. Now, leprosy, a disease, a contagious in the sense that Sometimes it wasn't always leprosy as we know it. Sometimes it represented other types of diseases like that. But these guys, we think they probably actually had leprosy, which means they're isolated. They're isolated. When you were a leper, if you walked down the street, you had to call out, leper, 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 so that the other people could get to the other side of the street and not have to come in contact with you. How would you like that life? So we got four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. That's probably why they're there. And they said to each other, why stay here until we die? That's a good question. That's a good question. Let's keep going. If we say, we'll go into the city, the famine is there and we will die. And if we stay here at the gate, we will die. So let's go over to the camp of the Arameans and surrender. If they spare us, we live. If they kill us, then we die. Makes sense. So come on, can can you imagine these four guys who today we're just trying to imagine a a gate, right? So, So these four guys are sitting at the gate. We don't know how long they've been sitting there. They're probably at the gate because they're isolated from everybody else. And here's the thinking. Suddenly one of them says, we're going to die. Why are we going to stay here and die? Now, what's our options? We can stay here and die. That doesn't sound very promising. We can go into the city, right? 
but there ain't any food in the city. We don't have $1,000 to buy flour, and we don't don't have any money to buy a donkey's head. If we go into the city, we'll die. How about we go to the enemy? Let's go to the enemy's camp, and maybe they're going to kill us, but that's kind of where we're headed anyway. Maybe they'll just imprison us, and we'll end up with some food, and we'll live. Okay. Verse 5. At dusk. Now, I think that's probably a good plan. At dusk, maybe, maybe they won't see us, and we can somehow get in and, and, you know, maybe just, maybe at dusk, they won't recognize that we're lepers. I don't know, but at dusk. They got up and they went to the camp of the Arameans. And when they reached the edge of the camp, no one was there. Nobody's there. For the Lord had caused the Arameans to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army. What? So here's what happens. We got four guys who are at a gate. They're lepers. Four guys who decide at dusk they're going to make their way toward an enemy camp. But what did the enemy hear? God caused the enemy to hear a sound as though it was in forces that were coming at them, horses and chariots and soldiers. I mean, th- these are four lepers. We don't even know if they got eight feet, right? We're, we're not even sure they got all the, all the feet, but uh, that's all we got marching toward. And God made it sound like an enemy. And it made the enemy run. Just run. Just turn and absolutely run. They didn't pack up anything. They, they didn't gather the supplies. They just run. And the four lepers stroll into the enemy camp. They go into the first tent and there's food. I guarantee you the first thing they did was eat. They eat some food. There's clothes. They, they change their clothes. Who knows how long, how long since they've had the same, right, dirty set of clothes on. They put some new clothes on. There's a tent. If they want to, they, they can sleep. But you know what? There's also gold and silver there. I mean, when these people ran, they just ran. And so the lepers got some food, got some clothes. They, they actually get some of the gold and silver, and they go find a place, and they hide it. They hide it. And then they go back to the enemy camp into another tent. I bet they ate again, just just figuring they ate again. Maybe they changed clothes again. I don't know. Got some more gold and silver, went to another place, and hid it. And they continue to do that until they reach this point in verse 9 that it says, they said to each other, what we are doing is not right. This is a day of good news, and we're keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. Let's go at once and report this to the royal palace. So that's exactly what they did. They go and 
They go back and they report it to the king. Hey, here's what's happened. The king sends some spies out to verify. Sure enough, the the camp is empty, just like they're said. But in the middle of the night, the king is still paranoid, and he doesn't even believe. He's like, you know what? I think they're setting a trap for us. I bet they're just hiding out in in the outskirts of the camp, and as soon as we go in, they're going to converge on us. And so they send more spies to hunt down. Where did this army go? It says they tracked them as far as the Jordan. They found stuff just dropped along the way, but eventually they believe it's safe. And so all of the city of Samaria goes into the enemy camp and they gather all the supplies, the food and the clothes. And it says in verse 16, so Isaiah of the finest flour sold for a dollar. And two sayers of barley sold for a shekel, just as the Lord has said. 24 hours, just like God had said. Now, there is no question to me who is the hero in this story? God. Who is the hero in this story? God. It is God who is in control. Even in, these people would say this is the worst moment of our lives. He's in control. It was God who caused the enemy to hear the sound of, of horses and chariots and to cause them to run. But what I want you to consider today is the fact that God still used four guys who in that day, Being lepers, they had no social status. They certainly had no military power. But the one thing that they had was a perspective. A simple perspective. of nothing to lose, nothing to lose. And I want to submit to you that I believe in 2021, that's the perspective that God wants to see in the hearts of his people. Nothing to lose. I I am afraid too much of the time what I see happen is the church who's seated at the wall, seated at the gate, And we're talking about how bad things are on the inside, and we're talking about how bad things are on the outside. Uh, Oh, man, what's going to happen, right, in in a political culture where uh, what if the things that we value the most aren't the things that are fought for the most, and how is this going to unfold, and what's going to be the consequences for a a country, uh, right? The, the, the The moral condition 
of, of a nation that we see continue to swing and what that means for our children and what that means in an education system and what that means and whatever. And, and we sit at the gate. It's like, you know what? I think I'm going to tweet about that. I think I'm going to tweet. I think I'm going to tweet about that. I think maybe I'll, maybe I'll post something about that. And I want to submit to you that I believe what God what God desires to see in the hearts of his people is a people who will stand up from the gate and walk into enemy territory with a perspective of nothing to lose. A couple of months ago, God really started to secure just this thinking in my heart. I've been wrestling with it for the latter part of the year, but when we got to Acts in our reading, and we got to Acts chapter 20, that was the point where God just went, this is, this is where I want you. I want to read this verse to you, Acts chapter 20. We'll start with verse 21. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. What a great verse. I'm just saying, if you're looking for a verse that goes, what, what, what's your life about? This is what my, life, this is what my life's about. He said, I, you, you got a mission to declare to everyone, Jews, Greeks, right? Doesn't, doesn't matter whether they grew up hearing this story or whether this is the first time they've heard this story. You, you are declaring to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. How do you have a relationship with Jesus? Repentance and faith. Repentance means to turn to God. A faith is to entrust my life to the one who died for me, rose from the dead, that verse will work for your life. Just so happens, it's Acts 20, 21. That, that kind of works. That kind of works. You like how I planned that? I didn't plan that. Acts 20, 21. I, it is an anchor verse for me for next year because it simply describes the mission that we as a church have. It is to declare this good news to everyone Repentance and faith, but watch, watch the attitude that we are to hold as we carry out such a mission. Verse 22, and now Paul says, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. So here's what he says. Holy Spirit's leading me. I got this mission. Tell everybody, repentance, turn to God faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit's leading me, and here's the only thing he's made certain. Everywhere I go, going to be struggle. And when I say struggle, that's defined by things like prison, Paul says. But he says, I got a race to finish. It's a race 
that Jesus has called me to run. And I will run it because I have nothing to lose. And we go, wait a minute, Paul, now, hang on. Let's think about this for a little bit. Because, Paul, what, what, we just, what we know is they could put you in prison. Prison. As in cell, bars, chains. They can put you in prison. Take away your freedom, Paul. In fact, they could even take away your life. And Paul looks back and says, that's what I said. I got nothing to lose. I got nothing to lose. Anything I own is temporary. Right? The the, the freedoms even that are just for me, that's temporary. My my life, this breath, this this is temporary. This body, it's temporary. But the relationship that I have with Jesus, the soul that belongs to him, a home that that he is preparing for me, all that is eternal. And so I'm saying I got nothing to lose. The only stuff I can lose is the stuff that is temporary anyway. I will be on the mission that he has called me to. My goal is not to stay alive. My goal is to stay on course. And when we understand the eternal aspect of the mission, then we understand the mission never shuts down. The race never shuts down. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share something personal with you in light of this year and even some of the videos that you saw earlier, especially the one of our students who were doing ministry um, over the summer in Wyandotte County, um, which some of you remember where that was at in ratios and trajectories and all that good stuff. My son was on that mission. And I signed off for him to be on that mission. And I'm not pretending like there wasn't any wrestling match in me about him being in that mission. There was a wrestling match in me about him being on that mission. The time frame, what was happening, where it was. And God dealt with me very clearly that I needed to let him be on that mission. Because we will forever be able to look back on this year and it be a part of reminding his young heart. There is never a time when the mission shuts down. Never. Yeah, there's a time that we have to adjust. There's a time that we got to do things that, that are safe as we can, all right? There are steps that we can take to do it differently, but the mission of declaring to everyone a repentance toward God and a faith in Jesus that never shuts down. And I felt like God saying it's important for him to do that on this very 
season. And it was important for me to let him do that on this very season. Nothing to lose. Nothing to lose. I want to make sure, though, we understand there's a difference between the nothing-to-lose attitude that the four lepers had and the nothing-to-lose attitude that Paul and the church is supposed to have. For example, the, the attitude that the lepers had was an attitude of what I call despair. <laughs> They're sitting at the gate going, no matter what, right? We, I mean, if we stay here, we're going to die. If we go to the city, we're going to die. If we, if we, it, it, it was just despair. That they had absolutely really no options whatsoever. They march into enemy territory because they believe it's, it's, that's the only hope that, that they have. It's despair. Paul, on the other hand, is not doing what he's doing out of despair. His attitude of nothing to lose is to say, this is the purpose to which my life has been called. This is the mission, the race that God has given me, not a race that I run some days and not others. No, this is the way he has defined my life. This is the reason he gives me breath. This is why I wake up every morning. I'm not doing what I'm doing out of despair. I'm not willing to go to prison because of despair. I'm not willing to deal with persecution because of despair. No, I'm doing this because this is my life purpose. That's a difference. <laughs> That's a difference. It's also a difference between fear and love. The, the lepers find themselves in an enemy camp with plenty of food and even riches around them, and they declare, we got to go tell somebody about this, but don't miss their reason. They say, we got to go tell somebody about this because this is a good thing. And if we wait too long, they're going to find out anyway. And if they find out and we didn't tell them, we're going to get punished. It's fear. It's fear. Versus Paul and the early church who are not doing what they're doing out of fear. He's not, he's not traveling to the next town because of a fear of what, of, of what will happen. He's doing what he's doing out of love. He has encountered a love unlike any other that he has ever experienced. A Jesus who caused a head-on collision with him, right? Changed Paul's heart and life forever. And the love that he has for Jesus overflows to the love that he has for the people around him. It's a love that drives him, not fear. I am praying that in 2021, in all that God has taught us this year, and before the year's over, we'll talk a little bit more about what he's taught us. But that more than ever before, God, would you awaken the Heart of Life Church to a mission of purpose and love. And this isn't something we have to do. This is not something we, we do or else we're afraid. Of. No, this is purpose and love. This year, 2020, some of you 
um, have almost read through the entire Bible. And I'm saying, good job. I really am. I, I am so incredibly proud. Some of you who took on that challenge, and we have been on something called the same page since January 1. This is the 50th week of the same page series. It is the longest series I've ever done in my life. 50 weeks we're in. We got two more weeks to go. Two weeks from now, you will have read through the entire Bible. For some people, it's the first time that you've ever read through the entire thing. We're not doing that so that at the end of the year, we can pass out medals and go, look how super spiritual we are. We're saying, look, we want to know the story of God, and we believe that the more we can understand his story and the more we can get a picture of where God's moving and what he's doing, that's why we read it. But what that required is that some days you were reading giant amount, giant amount of scripture, all right? I'm calling it just chapter after chapter after chapter, weeks, there was a lot of scripture involved in that. I am excited that 2021, we're going to flip that on end. And in 2021, we're going to do another series through the year. But we're not going to do the whole Bible this year. We are going to zero in on the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. Now, why the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts together? Well, they're written by the same guy, Dr. Luke. And in the Gospel of Luke, he's telling Jesus' story. That's most often where you read about Jesus' birth, right? And it tells the story of Jesus. And where the Gospel of Luke stops, Acts picks up the story and runs out. Here's what it looks like when a bunch of people following Jesus do so as though they have nothing to lose. So, Acts and Luke just happen to have 52 chapters. Doesn't that work well? This whole thing's just coming together beautifully. Couldn't have planned it better. 52 chapters which means we're going to take one chapter a week, which means instead of you reading five chapters of the Bible every night, most nights you're going to read more like five verses. And instead of this huge, sweeping, broad picture, it's going to allow us to really dig in every single day, every single week where, you know what it's like, when you got to read that much sometimes, you just kind of got to, you pick certain parts and then you kind of skim through the rest. I mean, it's just how our brain works. But this year, we're going to be able to focus on a few verses every day. We're, we're putting together some training stuff that we're going to be able to, 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 to put out there in terms of here's how you can can actually study your Bible more effectively. Here's this method and this method and this method and actually help us to learn how to take a few verses and ask the right questions and and how do we put this into play? We're even going to challenge us this year every week to learn one verse out of each chapter that we put to memory. Now don't run. Don't run like the enemy camp. Don't run. Don't, don't leave your stuff. It's going to be okay. Our kids are going to do that with us. And how cool would it be to see households 
learning scripture together. We're going to make it as easy as we can. We're not going to, it's not, we, we can do this. We can do this. And even if you learned a verse every two weeks, I'm saying imagine what is happening in your heart when you are putting to memory the very word of God so that you find yourself in certain situations and you're able to bring back parts of those verses and you're able to bring back that which God has planted inside of you, I think this is going to be incredibly fun. Nothing to lose. Because why would we sit here and die (laughs) when we have been given a mission, a purpose, a love, The enemy comes to steal and kill and destroy. And what I've witnessed so many times is that in a lot of lives, he doesn't have to do a whole lot. He just needs to keep you seated at the gate. Just keep you seated at the wall. Too many people in too many churches are dead before they actually die. A challenge to you this year is to get up and step into enemy territory with the mission to which God has called you. And God, give us a heart that we have nothing to lose. It's a little different this year. Um, As we come to the close of the year, normally what happens for us as a church is we have a giant gathering this time of year. We usually meet midweek and we just have a, a great meal together, and um, we celebrate some of the things that, that God's done from the year, and um, we, we have a time where we tackle the, the family business, what we call of like budgets for next year and committees for next year. We only have like three or four of those, and um, that's something that we normally tackle. This year, we're not, we're not doing that. Um, We're not putting everybody in a room. It just doesn't seem like that's the smartest thing to do. Now, can I make myself clear? Just because we're not putting everybody in a room to have dinner doesn't mean that the mission shuts down. My point is that sometimes we just have to take certain steps. Um, Sometimes now, the mission still continues for me. I just wear my handy mask. And I know you can't see it, but on my handy little mask here, is a little abbreviated version of that. I, I'm going to start wearing this thing, which I wear a mask normally any store I go into when I'm dealing with people. And it's not because I have to, and it's not because I'm afraid. It's because I would prefer to love as much as I possibly can. And that's it for me, I promise. I, I, I learned from last year wearing my hat that had more on it. People will ask me all the time, what's more? And I go, hmm, let me tell you. Well, I'm going to wear nothing to lose for a while this year. And yeah, I hope these go out of style in 2021 pretty soon. I hope they go out of style. I do. But in the meantime, I hope the questions get asked because I would love to have the opportunity to talk to people for a few minutes about a Jesus who has done something so extraordinary in my life that I don't have to fear. And I'm not doing what I do out of despair. But let me tell you about a God who loves you. And here's how I know. You're like, Jeff, where could I get one of those handy masks? I know that's what you're thinking right now. Where could I get one of those very stylish masks? Well, you can actually get one today before you leave. There's a box of them that are out there. You can pick them up. Um, You're saying, Jeff, those must be like 
$20 a piece. I'm sure they are. No, they're not. If you just need to get one, you can get one. If you want to throw a dollar in the basket, you can throw a dollar in the basket to help us cover, you know, some of the cost of what it takes to get them. One, I want you to be as safe as you possibly can. But two, I want you to have every opportunity possible for the mission to not shut down. To not shut down. So, in a minute, in a minute, um, we're going to close by um, a motion of a budget and some teams who are called to lead. But before we do that, I want to challenge you to realize that what we're about to do is more than um, just a sign off on a number and some people. I want to challenge you to realize that if we move this forward today, it is, it is a commitment on every single one of our parts that one, we will pray for the people who we've asked to lead. Um, whether those are finance teams or a personnel team or a trustee team or a leadership team, whatever that team may be. You will pray that God will give them a heart of nothing to lose. It also means that we are committing together to help resource the mission to which God has called us to. So when we vote in a budget, you understand the way the budget works is that the people of God together are faithful and saying, God, you have, you have blessed us with all of this, and we are willing together to give a portion of that. And when we put it all together, God makes it sound like enemy forces. Sometimes we feel like four lepers, but he makes it sound like an army. So I want to encourage you to be a part of that. Some of you who join us online now every week, in, in a way this has become your church, if you will. This is the place that you connect. I'm so grateful that that could happen due to the circumstances right now. But I want to encourage you to take a step to actually be a part of that. And maybe to help us resource the very thing and even enable to get this to you. I, I just want to encourage you to pray about, hey, is God calling you to actually engage in this race? Um, I want to encourage you the end of the year is always big for us. Um, some years in the last month of the year, we have been known to take in 25% of our budget. That's a lot. It makes it kind of hard sometimes to figure out how to operate till you get there, but we do the very best we can right now on any given moment. If you ask me right now, we're in the red. If you ask me 10 minutes from now, we might be in the black. It, it kinda, we are right on the edge doing our best to stay there. I told you about a month ago, that we, were, we had taken in more income this year than we had last year. Well, right now, that's not the case. We're, we're probably 20000 less in income than we did last year. Um, the next three weeks are always big for us. They're big for us. Um, I think in the last three weeks last year, we took in somewhere between 15 and, and 15% or so of our entire budget. Um, that's, that's kind of a big deal. It's kind of a big deal. If it was your salary and then 15% of it was gone, um, let's say you made $40,000, it would basically mean that December and November you didn't get paid. 
That's kind of how it would work. That'd be kind of tough. There's a mission to continue. I just want to encourage us together to be a part of that. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray first because I'm not interested in making a commitment to something until we pray together on this, and then we will together um, step forward, and then we'll sing one more song before we close, all right? Can I invite you, if you're comfortable doing this, that we could go to our knees together and ask our God to help us? Can we do that? God, I am grateful that for a lot of years you have allowed me to be connected to a pretty special core of people here who honestly, for many of them, they have, they have always walked this out with a heart perspective of nothing to lose. But God, I'm asking that in 2021, God, you would do something in the midst of this whole body. God, our entire church, that God, you would ignite within, God, more and more hearts, this perspective that Paul had and what we see in the early church. God, as we study Luke and as we study Acts, would you awaken our hearts to this truth? Such a freedom, such a love, such a purpose. God, I pray for these teams. God, these leaders, I ask that you would give them boldness. I ask that you would give them wisdom. God, give them courage. God, in in moments where it would make sense to be afraid, we're not. But we know it's because of you. And God, I pray that you would provide the resources that we need to be able to carry out a mission that the whole world might know how you love. It's in the name of Jesus that I ask it. Amen. Amen. So the motion today is that we would adopt the 2021 budget. We're not putting all that up because we've had it out for a month. We gave you the sheets, the 2021 budget as well as the finance team, personnel team, trust teams team, and leadership team that has been um, presented to you, um, all in favor of that, would you simply lift your hand? At Adrian as well, if you would lift your hand, thank you. And then any opposed like sign, and we will move forward with the mission that God has called us to. I love you. Let's stand and let's sing.